0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know what you believe or why you believe it. We're just glad that you're with us on this journey as Ryan's chair creaks.
1: Loudly. I'm sorry. I can get a different one, but they all creak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Nathan Whitaker. I'm the very loud Ryan Harris.
0: And today we're going to bring uh, our last recorded conversation for the year. Uh, we're going to have a couple other episodes. Ryan and I will do our own things separately and bring them to you. Uh, but today we wanted to talk about uh, Christmas. And specifically, we wanted to ask the question, what is Christmas about? What? Uh, We were in different heritages growing up, and we were taught different things. Uh, Although, of course, because we're both Christian, there's going to be significant overlap. Mm -hmm. But we also have done some things to kind of change a little bit of our emphasis and so forth. And I think it's probably less, what do I want to say? Probably less radical than other things we may be talking about. Uh, throughout this podcast, it's more in line of where a lot of people have moved and shifted in theology.
1: It seems like more of a refocusing than any kind of yeah. like, like even what we're going to talk about. We haven't like totally abandoned what we've learned. It's just feel like we missed something.
0: Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to explore it, and as always, we do this because we don't know where you are in your journey. Uh, as someone on the frontier, you might be in a place where. This is all new to you. You might be in a place where you have been here for a while and you're like, yes, I get this, but uh, it might help to have a little bit of a new perspective on it. And we wanna talk about that. And uh, I'm actually gonna start this time because uh, what where this started was with my experience growing up in the Lutheran church. Uh, I actually thought about this today Remember how we started talking about how did you make some of the shifts early on, how we Ryan, you and I we changed, mm-hmm. how we were thinking about things earlier on? Um, I didn't say it at the time, but I think Christmas was one of the first things. It was as I was thinking about this specific critique I have, I remember it being very raw and new and kind of scary as I was having this thought. Um, and that wouldn't have happened, you know, um, before I got comfortable with it or after I got comfortable with it. It was very much in line with, oh, am I allowed to think these things?
1: <laughs> well, yes, I gave you permission and everything was fine. <laughs> exactly. So what was the change then?
0: The change was, I think, something a lot of people have experienced recently, and uh, it's that I started to just become very unsatisfied with the way Lutherans talked about Christmas. And the way we talked about Christmas was kind of like a second Good Friday. And what I mean by that is we would always talk about Jesus coming as God-man, right? The incarnation. But the incarnation was a way in which God could do what he came here to do, which was to die.
1: Oh, okay. So it was a very mechanistic kind of, uh, maybe that's not the right word, but a very... uh
0: utilitarian.
1: Yeah. Do this so this can happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so Jesus's incarnation was beautiful in that, all uh, this interpretation of Philippians 2, that he humbled himself to be us and then to die on the cross, which is what Paul says there. But they kind of throw all that together and say, well, Jesus humbled himself to become a baby that would then grow up to be a man that died upon the cross. hmm And so what I started to say, because I'm not very tactful, I started to say, you know, (laughs) yeah, I have Christmas is more about more than just killing baby Jesus. It's much more than that. And I started to, with the question, really, is it okay to say that it's more about more than that? And then I just became convinced because it was just so tiring to go to a Lutheran church on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day and hear about Jesus's death on the cross.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, cause I remember my dad saying, and even when I was in pastoral ministry, I remember being like, I don't wanna do a holiday message because what do I say that hasn't <laughs> been said 500 times over the years, you know? Yeah. And it, I'm thinking, gosh, that would be even worse, right? Although maybe it's easier because you can say the same thing every year, I don't know. But uh,
0: it's just yeah. like, you know. The, the pain is trying to find a new way to say it, like you were trying <laughs> just, to...
1: Just read yeah. your one from last year backwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and to be completely fair, there was a lot of uh, talk about the Christmas story, but that was all. That's all it was, was. Talk about the Christmas story, and if we made the move to its meaning, we immediately had to go to the cross and sometimes the empty tomb.
1: So that's there was, was there was no meaning outside of pointing towards death and resurrection.
0: That's my memory of it. And as we've said several times if if people in our past kind of happen to hear this and want to correct us, that's fine because it's just the way I remember things. It could be that you know, it's all on me for that remembering. But yeah, I think that's all it was was yeah. that we celebrate Christmas for that reason, or right, we celebrate Christmas as Jesus coming to this earth, and then when probed, which was you know, I'd probably say 50% of the time, it was pushed into, well, he came to be a baby who would grow into a man to die on the cross for us,
1: right? Which is consistent, right? I mean. Yes, Because, I mean, if I, you know, as I understand it, even then through all of Jesus's ministry, everything he was doing was leading to that too, right?
0: Well, and it's consistent with Lutherans and justification, which is what I thought you were going to. That's what I mean.
1: Yeah. Like everything Jesus did was leading to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, being growing up in a Lutheran church. And I, I say that not just because, I'm sorry growing up in a Lutheran church, and also afterwards, after I left my dad's church, because it wasn't just my dad, I started to discover, in fact, that my dad probably wasn't as cliche as some other people were, Mm -hmm. or other preachers, not people, but other churches and so forth. Uh, And it was, yeah, all over the place.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Talking about that, even Epiphany, which is a Uh, Holiday that we spend a lot of time on explicitly. I'm just laughing
1: because I never heard of that until I came Uh, just working at the seminary, and and uh, my boss said we need to plan an Epiphany party, and I was like, yeah, and I'm thinking, did somebody have a good idea? Like I had no idea what it was.
0: (laughs) So it's January 6th. It's when uh, the wise men traditionally come to see Jesus, because, you know, uh, depending on the Lutheran pastor you get, some actually refuse to have the wise men in the nativity set, because,
1: yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's just like, talk about focusing on the important things. Yeah, right? you
0: know? <laughs> well, some people do, this one I actually do like, which was um. Somebody put the wise men somewhere else, and every Sunday they got a little closer. I that's thought that what they was did neat.
1: one of the places I worked at. They started out in the hall by the bathrooms, and then every week they moved closer and even yeah. up the aisle. And I thought that was neat.
0: Yeah, that's neat. But to be like that guy that says, "No, I shouldn't have him in the nativity set." That was something. Anyway, oh. even Epiphany was about Jesus dying because the Epiphany is the uh, bringing of Jesus to the Gentiles.
1: Well, and the gifts they brought were. Or grave spices, some of them. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah.
0: Of course, so we love that. We yeah. love that because then we See? can talk about. See,
1: it's right here. <laughs>
0: exactly. See, even Wiseman knew that baby yeah. Jesus would be killed for they us. They got the memo. <laughs> so I don't know. I just kind of grew tired of that at some point. <laughs> like, oh, does it always have to be about this? Especially with something as rich as Christmas. Christmas is full of so many images and so many different stories. I mean, it's the only thing outside the crucifixion that we have four, four specific things about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, even, even Mark, which doesn't really talk about the nativity so, so much. It talks about why Jesus came and who he was in, in Mark chapter one. Right. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) that's kind of what spurred this on because I just had to get that out. I know a lot of people are already thinking that, especially if you're listening to this podcast, um, As best as I can, assure you that it's okay to be kind of sick and tired of justification on
1: (laughs) Christmas Day. And if you are, you're still justified. It's okay.
0: Yeah, it's okay.
1: In (laughs) fact, you're still
0: Lutheran, even if you don't have uh, a hyper-focus on justification. I'll give you guys
1: a disposition, too, just like I gave Nate.
0: Yeah, that that means a lot from, uh, you know, Lutherans. Yes. But I also was like kind of curious while I that was something that I grappled with and I kind of overcame. I was kind of curious if that was the case in other places. And uh, of course, we've got Ryan and I'll 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 ask you, Ryan. But first, I want to say the only time I do it. um, But I asked actually asked my wife about this and she said she didn't grow up Lutheran. And she said, yeah, that sounds like a pretty typically Lutheran thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of laughed at that and then like, okay, well, that'll be, make for an interesting podcast then. Yeah. I mean, um, when
1: you told me about the idea, I was like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> right? I mean, I know <laughs> what to expect at this point. I know more than the average non-Lutheran about yeah. you guys and well, you guys. And um, so, but yes, it was very, very appropriate, I think.
0: All right. So how, uh, how did, was that part of your experience at all growing up?
1: Yeah, so, you know, as you and I were talking about beforehand, I'm having trouble remembering it being one total thing one way or the other. I do remember that kind of talk. I remember it being pointed out that the wise men brought things to be used in burial, right? I remember um, people talking about the idea that Jesus came to die, right? Like like Jesus's death wouldn't mean anything if God had not come as a human kind of idea, um, I remember those things. So, like, it did happen. In fact, I would say it's probably wasn't infrequent. Although I have trouble remembering when I was a kid because I was not thinking about all I was thinking about was hurry up and be done, Dad. I want to go open presents, yeah. right? Because we always did a Christmas Eve service, and we always opened our stuff Christmas Eve. So it's like, okay, let's get to this. You oh, know, really, See, we I did it. Open themselves. You know,
0: <laughs> we did it on Christmas Day. And we did stockings in the morning and then we had to go to church mm-hmm. and then we came back and then the kicker was we had to wait for my dad to come back from oh, church.
1: Pastors take forever to leave church. They do. It was the and worst. It was awful. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that kind of thing definitely was, I would even say a big part of the Christmas stuff, but I do remember that certainly wasn't the only thing I heard. I, I remember the incarnation being somewhat of a focus too in the in the sense that like how important it was that god became flesh right that the word became flesh and lives among us so um you know this idea that jesus is just like you and me and then even linked to like some of the hebrews language about like our great high priest who's been tempted in every way we have and knows what it's like to be us that's my paraphrase you know all of those ideas too Mm -hmm. um And I think so what would often be stressed as a result of that was relationship with God through Jesus. This idea that Jesus's incarnation was what makes that all-important relationship, personal relationship with God possible, right? Even to the point of um, like the idea in the first part of Colossians where it says that Jesus um, is the image of the invisible or ineffable God making God knowable, that whole first part of the chapter there, this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember that kind of stuff being talked about too, and then I guess the other thing was there was sometimes a bit of a, an eschatological focus too. This idea that Christmas points us toward the second Christmas, i.e., when Christ will return someday, which is interesting because I'm told that's a very Advent type idea, and we didn't do that. Well, I had yeah. a I had a dollar store Advent calendar that had that awful wax chocolate in <laughs> behind the little cardboard doors. You know, you know those ones. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But other than that, we had no Advent, so um, as far very as Very
0: Advent thing, very, very much, because we're not just waiting for Christmas, we're waiting for Christ's return.
1: Right, right. So I guess I guess, I would sum it up, at least as far as I can remember, that we definitely had a lot of what you're talking about, but I do remember a significant amount of time spent on some of these other things, too.
0: Okay. Can you tell me about that? Like, uh, How do I want to ask this question? Let me say it like this. Um, okay. So what was the incarnation like for you? What was, what was special about the incarnation? Cause if you would say something that's unique about Christmas in the church year, in the Christian narrative, it would be the incarnational nature of it. Mm-hmm. What is the incarnation for, or what was it as you were growing up? How was that taught to you? How did you experience that?
1: Well, so thinking back on it, what I remember is the important part of the incarnation is the most important part is that, um, sure, this is why we can be forgiven of our sins. But even that was kind of part of because we have relationship with God, like like the idea. Remember how we talked about it one episode about this idea that Jesus was our friend and our brother and all of that kind of stuff? And I think I remember Christmas often being linked towards that. excuse me, in the idea that like Christmas is such an amazing thing and it's so much more important than presents or anything else because it means, yes, we're forgiven of our sins, but it means that God is with us in human form or, you know, was when he was on earth and now through the spirit. But um, this presence of God, this imminence of God, even if I don't know, they use those words, but that idea of like, God is no longer distant. God is not, there's no barriers between us and God. Um, God is with us every day. Like all of that was dependent upon the incarnation of Jesus as a human being.
0: Okay. So you did have a lot of the, how how was that, how was that expressed? Was it in that friendship uh, metaphor or reality or was it? Because the incarnation is a very interesting and uh, confusing thing, right?
1: Right. I mean, think about what you're saying, right? I mean, of course, it's like, what? God became human and all that stuff, yeah.
0: And yet stayed God and fully man according to... God and Jesus
1: are the same, but also not. Yeah. (laughs) You know, all that stuff, yeah.
0: So, you know, I know enough, I think, to say that It probably wouldn't be very interesting for most uh, Pentecostals to dwell on the logical confusion of that, if you will. Uh, It was more like for us, we would probably spend some time trying to parse that out pretty quickly or not quickly, but thoroughly. (laughs) Deeply, yeah. 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 Uh, Seems like that's probably not how you would approach it. Um, I mean,
1: I'm sure there was some of that, but uh, it certainly wasn't the focus. I think it was more, this will shock you, more on now the we, we can experience God. Because, I mean, we're not just reading about God. We're not just talking about God, but God is with us. Like, either when Jesus was on earth hum, in human form, right, as a human, um, uh-huh. but now through the spirit, this idea that, like... Um, Christmas, probably even this idea that it can be Christmas every day in a sense, because we have Jesus living inside of us, right? That it would often be linked to um, uh, salvation in the sense of like, now because of this, let's give people a chance to get saved kind of stuff, right? The say the sinner's prayer or whatever, as we've talked about in other episodes. But um, yeah, I think I guess it was so it it, it was similar in that it was used as a springboard for other topics, right? Christmas was, I mean. But I think those other topics tended to focus on relationship and experience, relationship with God and experience of God through the spirit, um, which also would not have been possible without the incarnation, right?
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: And I mean, I guess you could say that we did the same thing you did. We just did it about something else. <laughs> like, you know, yes, we talked about justification sometimes, but I think the bigger focus for us now that I'm talking about it, as I've been putting it together, I think was this idea of imminence and presence and um, experience that probably shouldn't surprise anyone who has been listening to this or is knows much about Pentecostals in general.
0: But it sounds like, so the reason why it's sort of similar to what we did is that it it's those things detached from the incarnational narrative and incarnational reality.
1: Well, in the sense that the incarnation was important and talked about, but it was leading to something, I don't know if you could say more important, maybe, but it was always like the building block towards something else. Okay. And I think what I'm wondering is like, yeah, but what, what about the incarnation? Like, and I wonder, did we, did we all do that because we can't wrap our heads around the incarnation because it's bonkers when you think about what you're really saying, you know, um, I wonder if that's part of why this happens is because we just don't know what to make of this idea of the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And so they say, yep, yep. That definitely happened. It's a miracle. That's great. And also, Right. And it's much easier to talk about the thing, whatever our system is, the thing we know, right? Yours was justification. Mine was relationship or experience or whatever. Well, we know all about that. So let's fit this into that. And then we can talk about it.
0: So then let me ask you this. When, uh, When you heard, you probably didn't as a kid, but when you heard preaching on Christmas Eve, or really just around the nativity altogether, What was that preaching like? Was it staying with the story of the nativity or was it uh, talking about the incarnational reality through that story and then moving on to something uh, like the presence and relational?
1: I mean, I can't remember a lot of it. I do think one of the thing that's different that makes it somewhat hard for me is well, I am not saying that we never had any kind of Christmas message outside of Christmas Eve or Christmas. We didn't because we didn't have any kind of structured advent part, I think it would be very likely that many of the you know, two or three of the sermons in December before Christmas would not necessarily be focused on Christmas. I mean they might okay. be. that would happen, yeah. sure, but it wouldn't be necessarily that much of the focus until it, I mean, we'd sing Christmas songs and sure and all that, but, um, it just wasn't necessarily focused on as much until Christmas sometimes. Okay. It depends. It wasn't that way at every church, but growing up, I think that was true (laughs) as much as I can remember. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: yeah, and we're saying that because, of course, kids are more interested in presents than preaching. Yeah, I,
1: I want to know what Lego I'm getting. I don't care about what you're talking about, yeah. you know, or or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so,
0: I wonder about that. Like, So it's kind of like this weird thing in Christian culture, I think, at least in the Christian culture that I experience, is that Christmas is a big deal. But then we don't spend a lot of time thinking about or talking about Christmas as Christmas. We talk about it as a holiday experience. We talk about it as a uh, a handle into other things. But there's not a whole lot of, like, let's talk about Christmas as it's Christmas.
1: Well, now, wait a minute. We spend an awful lot of time talking about Starbucks cups. So, (laughs) you know, and, like, all that kind of stuff. Right. But, I mean, even, yeah, I I think even when we talk about, like, the reason for the season kind of stuff, right, that was definitely a thing. But even that was, like, okay, so Jesus is what this is all about. But what does that actually mean, you know? Um, so
0: the reason for the season is actually... Um, the way that this was introduced to me, and I don't know if I ever shared this image with you, Ryan, but I can describe it pretty easily because I think it's gained some traction. But it says, um, this is the season, this is the reason, and on one half of the image, there's an image of a wreath, and on the other half, the wreath turns into the crown of thorns.
1: Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so we would talk about this is the reason or, you know, the reason for this season. But again, that that's an easy segue right into killing baby Jesus. Right. Right. Because the reason Jesus had to come was because we're poor, miserable sinners and we don't know how to handle ourselves and we need a little baby to come die for us.
1: Well, and even in the Christmas story, there's the part where Herod tries to kill him and all the other babies. Right. Yeah. So it's right. Even kind of built into the story there.
0: Yeah, Exactly. And yet here's the really fascinating part. I, and I didn't do the research beforehand. Maybe, Ryan, you're much more biblically reliterate than I am. But um I don't think there's really any mention of crucifixion at all in any of the cri- Christmas stories. In the
1: Christmas stories? I don't not that I can think of. Somebody could correct us if if we're wrong. I mean, I think you'd probably find it in Paul and you know Peter, maybe. Yeah. But I don't think there's any that I can think of. They don't the
0: talk about they do. They that. Don't, Yeah, but they don't talk about the incarnation or Jesus. The closest you get is the Philippians two passage of humbling himself to become like
1: us, right? And even but, that, I'm not sure. What, I don't think was focused on the Christmas narrative, other than. Yeah,
0: yeah. So then, like, so we've got this weird thing on Christmas. It's the one holiday that's bigger than all other holidays in in Christianity. Uh, you know, you, you can debate whether that's Easter or whatever, but culturally speaking, Christmas is definitely bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, we don't spend a lot of time really talking about and thinking about Christmas. It's all about what Christmas means for our faith tradition rather than what Christmas means in the coming of Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I don't think it's possible for anyone to say, well, we're just going to think about Christmas outside of the lens of whatever our particular system is, right? Like, what I mean is, yes, we can change some of the focus, but there's no way we can think about it in a theological vacuum. Right, yeah, and right. That's not what we're talking about, but it does seem to present a problem when i it seems like the Incarnation is presented as one of the cornerstones of faith, our faith, not just of part of it. And yet we shuffle right through it either to something always to something else that uh, we're much more comfortable talking about,
0: you know, I just made this connection. It feels a lot like, Uh, we're recording this on the week before your interview with Trevor, but then it was the one episode right before that, that we talked about other religions. And in that one, we were talking about how we um, interpret Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. Mm -hmm. And what we were urging at that time, or at least what I was urging and what we would kind of share that we had learned is that, If we slow down and not focus on the answer right away to a question that we think the text is begging, and we just slow down and we stay in the text, something beautiful happens. And then we can move on and we can start talking about what that means for, you know, in that instance, the objective reality type question. But maybe the same thing's kind of going on here where we're so used to just giving what the reason for the season is is that we just quickly move on. And it doesn't mean that that answer isn't right. It just means that it is so well packaged that maybe what we need to do is, (laughs) you're going to laugh, unwrap it, right? Because maybe we need to spend some more time with it instead of jumping right into, oh, well, Jesus came, and remember, Jesus came because he died for us, and he died for us because we're poor, miserable sinners, or, uh, you know, whatever equivalent uh, formula, almost, is true for any other expression. Does that make
1: sense? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, but I mean, so I guess it sounds like what we're saying is not just slow down, but like, it's almost like we're saying, okay, whatever, whichever lens you were taught to focus on right, or use to understand the Christmas story um, or the incarnation, it's like we're saying, what's another way you could look at it besides just that? Like, just like to think about it and, and see, like, so for me, because we didn't dwell on justification as much, I wonder, maybe I should spend some more time thinking about that for now you know not necessarily that i got to switch to that you know that's kind of what we're saying not to do <laughs> <laughs> right but yeah. this idea of like it's almost like asking the question was well so god became flesh the word dwells among us all of that so what does that mean other than what i was told it meant my whole life
0: well and- maybe what we could do is we could we don't have to do this you know let's say technically proficiently here on the podcast, but maybe what we could do is just sit with the narrative and ask what the narrative means, Hmm. because the narrative doesn't point us to Jesus dying on the cross.
1: Kind of let the narrative speak for itself. Yeah. At least as much as possible.
0: Ask some questions around that. And I think what we could do, uh, I think it's been helpful, the feedback I have heard when we kind of go into biblical things like this, it is helpful to kind of walk through it. So if you're okay with it, maybe we could just walk through the Lukean narrative a little bit. I mean, we don't have to pull out our Bibles or anything, but just walk through that and ask some very basic questions of that. Would that be okay?
1: I'm not opposed, although I am gonna pull out Luke's account of it just because (laughs) it'll help. Okay. But I promise we're not gonna read you all of Luke chapter two.
0: No, you can listen to Linus to do that. That's right. You.
1: you don't need that from us. <laughs> I wouldn't listen to us do that. So,
0: okay. So, um, maybe I, we could just go through it a little bit here and just see what comes up and then, um, get back to the bigger question of what does Christmas mean? Hmm. Sound good? Let's give it a try. All right. So, uh, the first few verses is about, um, the, census yeah right so joseph has to go to bethlehem because of him being in the line of david right so he goes there and
1: mary's very pregnant yep
0: and then right
1: there she gives birth right in verse six yeah in a manger verse six or
0: verse seven
1: Um, verse seven. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) And then right after that, it's to the shepherds. Yeah. So So there's not a whole lot there. It says, um, you know, good tidings, great joy. Savior's been born. Tells him where to find him. Lots of angels saying hooray. (laughs) This is a very, uh, paraphrased version here. Uh, and then the shepherds go to look.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. And they find Mary and Joseph in the manger. Well, I mean, the baby lying in the manger.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and then they report, uh, yep. verse 17. They report it all, and everyone who heard is amazed. And then there's uh, Mary committing this to her heart. Pondering them then, in her
1: heart, yeah. And then Jesus was circumcised at the end.
0: Yeah, which we don't need to get into too much.
1: Well, um, I mean... It's-
0: Cause it's eight days afterwards, right. which is still Christmas. And there's a good chance that, um, you know, that whole thing happened before the wise men again, as I said.
1: But, before. So, okay. So they're in Bethlehem cause they got to go for the census and Mary's pregnant. Right. And so what, I mean, what are we, what are we looking at here? What are we trying to slow down and, and bring out? All right. Well, um, usually when there
0: is slowing down here, usually it's in the hope of finding prophecy, right? So we Mm. slow down and uh, the text kind of lends itself to that because of verse four says that Joseph belongs to David's house and family line. And so then there's a desire to kind of jump into that, and lots of people have done that. And there's
1: the prophecy in Isaiah about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem. Exactly,
0: yep. Yep. And you get a lot of imagery from the prophets about uh, David's line, David's kingdom, David uh, metaphorically being used as the savior of the people. And so Mm -hmm. you get a lot of tie-in there. Um, And that kind of happens in... That all of that. But again, when we slow down around that, at least my experience of slowing down around that is slowing down to highlight how this person, Jesus of Nazareth, will be able to die for our sins well, and it actually means something.
1: Well, I mean, it does talk about, like, the angels do say that a Savior has been born, right? So, I mean, it's not like that's crazy, but it is interesting to say that the angels, are interesting to note that the angels do not say, a savior who has been born, who three, 33 years from now will die on a cross so you can be saved from your sins.
0: Exactly, right. yeah.
1: They say not to be afraid and that they have good news. Right. It, and it's he- interesting though too, because the last thing they say before the angel band shows up, uh, you know, they say all this about the savior, the Messiah, where he's born. And then they say, you'll find him wrapped in clothes or wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger, which is a kind of a weird thing to say, right? Yeah. You're telling Israel the long promised Messiah is here, right? Tidings of good news, great joy. This is wonderful. He's going to be your savior and look for him in a stable as a baby.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Well, so here's a question that we can do to slow down. All right. So usually we read this as a grand epic narrative that is meant for all people. Verse twelve is really interesting to me. This will be a sign for whom?
1: Hmm.
0: For you, the who? Well,
1: Shepherds.
0: Yeah. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger, as you just said.
1: Well, and you know it's interesting. I, I I wonder. So within the story. The shepherds would have been pretty low in the terms of social order and career. And and they would have been very, even if they weren't humble as people, they would have been forced to be humble because of what they did, right? They were not have been rich. They wouldn't have had any influence in society. They were pretty low on the totem pole. And what does the angel say to this group who is in some way probably marginalized? Maybe um, we don't know, right? But at least not anywhere near the top strata. So humble group, it says you're going to find the Messiah as a baby in a feed trough.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something they would be very familiar with as shepherds, right? Right. A lot of people wouldn't if you were on this. Certainly kings would not be aware of that, not to the degree that shepherds are.
1: Right, yeah.
0: And I love verse 11. So verse 10 is what we focus on, which is the angel saying, I bring you good tidings, good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. But then verse 11, your Savior is born today. I know some say a Savior is born today.
1: It depends on the translation. It depends
0: on the translation. But I do like this one, your Savior. So the good news is that the Savior of these shepherds, is born today.
1: Well, and even if it says a savior, you know, the angels could have announced this to anybody, right? They could have announced this to the governor, they could have announced this uh-huh. to rich people or whoever, but they the first people who heard the gospel was the shepherds, right? Right. These exactly. lowly, humble, probably not very washed, <laughs> probably not educated, poor people.
0: the classic one is, uh, so the ESV captures it, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Mm -hmm. So a Savior for whom? For you, it's still there. For unto you, for for you is born this day a Savior. And yes, as Ryan's uh, pointing out several times, these are people who are on the lower rung of society, the people who, um, you know, make up the bulk of, I would say of this society, the shepherds, the laborers, that kind of,
1: that class of, yeah, like, they wouldn't be working class in the way we mean it, but you know, that, the ones that have of the, the agrarian economy type exactly. societies. Yeah. Yeah. That,
0: that they can't, they cannot depend on other people to provide for them because right. they don't have that, uh, wealth. Right.
1: Well, no wonder they hurried off to go find them then, right? I mean, it says <laughs> exactly. angels do all this stuff and they say, let's go to Bethlehem and see what happens. And then they, it says they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, because imagine they were excited about it.
0: Well, and verse 16 is so interesting, which is where you got to, is they went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And, and, then verse 17, when they saw this, they reported and they told everybody about it. What did they tell everybody about? That they saw a baby in a manger? I mean, what yes, did they tell? But
1: that wasn't probably the thing that people left with, right? Like the baby in the manger was not just a baby in it. Like, I mean, you could say, hey, you know, Frank, I got to tell you this story. I was walking by a manger and there's a baby in it, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's not what the story, that's not what they were telling people right they found the messiah king of israel as a baby in a manger and angels told him about it you know that kind of stuff
0: yeah and i think that that's like another moment we can slow down right because what we could do very quickly and you didn't do this uh, but what some people do is they go quickly and say oh well they must have like reported um that angels came and and talked to them and yeah, that was probably part of the story. But this in the text happens right after they find the baby lying in the manger. Right. They go and And they tell people about Jesus lying in a manger.
1: Right. And I guess I remember, now that I was saying this, I remember hearing something along the lines of, see, the shepherds went because they were telling people about Jesus, the first missionaries kind of idea, (laughs) right? And it's like, well, okay, but even if you, let's just accept that for a minute. Who would they be talking to? They're not. They're not talking to the governor. They're not talking to right. the rich people. They're talking to other people like them and their families. Yeah. So the message there is still within that shepherd world, within that world of the, you know, poor, like we were just talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder what the liberation theologians would make of this. Anyway, not today's topic. I just. I bet there's a lot for them I to talk there about is. there. Yeah.
0: yeah. But you see what happens? All we've done is here, let me see our timer. How long have we been spending? We spent like less than, you know, what, six, seven minutes on this. And already it's changing. Already it's changing because we're spending time slowing down and seeing what this is saying, being, of course, precise to the text as much as we can, But really, just asking questions outside, or let's say it differently, asking questions that are limited by the text rather than encouraged by our theology. Because you could easily jump into all this stuff and start talking about justification. I've heard plenty of stuff. The shepherds
1: were missionaries, kind of. Yeah, exactly,
0: like what you did. Yeah. Um, But if we're limited and we're staying where the text is telling us, This isn't about hermeneutics necessarily, but when it comes to Christmas and asking what it's really about, why don't we see what what people are telling us it's about? And the people that are telling us what it's about here are the shepherds. Mm -hmm. The shepherds, they go... And we get a, a hint in 19, Mary's committing these things to memory. But then what did the shepherds do? They return home, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen, not mm-hmm. just <laughs> what the angels, in fact, the last line kind of hints at that they weren't totally impressed by the angels. They were impressed that what they were told by the angels turned out to be true. Hmm. Everything happened just as they had been told. You would well, think,
1: go ahead. I just say you'd have to wonder, right? Because like, even if you saw the multitude of angels doing their thing after the angels went away, you'd probably ask yourself, did I just see that? Yeah. Did that really happen? (laughs) Did I get some bad mushrooms or something? Like, you you know, you'd you'd have to wonder. Was I dreaming? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so then, and even so, yes, I'm sure that was part of the story, but that doesn't seem to be the emphasis. Whereas if... If angels appeared to me, and I told, I might tell people that, although they might think I'm crazy. But, you know, that was just part of the story. That wasn't the amazing thing about what happened to them.
0: Yeah. And so then I have to ask you the question, Ryan. I think we've kind of danced around it, but what's the amazing thing that happened? What's the stuff that they had been told that they went and
1: told everybody about? Well, the thing that, that it felt like to me as we were reading this is that Jesus was like them. Yeah. In the sense that here's the Messiah King, right? Who they probably thought was going to be just like David, since he's in David's line, right? David City, all that. He was going to be a king, and yet here he is, just like us. He's a baby uh, from a poor family who are in a stable or a cave or whatever it was. You know, um, they're probably cold. They're probably not super clean, given that she just gave birth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. like uh, they they'd find this the King of Israel and I guess the world or however they conceived of it and the, the the king is just like them.
0: Yeah. I mean isn't that something like let's again slow down because even when we come to that realization we want to do application to us right away. But if we slow down what does it mean for Jesus to be just like the shepherds? That's a, that's a critical question. And it means a lot of stuff we've talked about. It means that Jesus is with people who are oppressed, people who are on the lower rungs of society, those people who are poor, poor yeah. who are abused by others in power and in wealth and in social standing. That's why I mean that's what I mean by lower rungs. Right, is that they are all taken advantage of because of their situation in life that they have literal no control over, socially, economically, politically, so on and so forth. And what does it mean for God to identify with them? That is a, a huge question that we don't answer. We don't spend time thinking about that. Yeah. But I think it's really remarkable that Jesus... Is shown the 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 Messiah, as you say, the Son of God, who we will find out, you know, in according to the text, that's how who he is, right? John tells us right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But the Son of God, the Christ, the one they've been waiting for, is a baby in a manger because they could not afford the way to do things normally. Because even if they could afford it, it wasn't the way that they lived their life. Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very uniquely and kind of unimpressively normal. I, I mean almost it,
1: aggressively normal. Yeah. Yeah,
0: aggressively. There you go. Aggressively. <laughs> you know? normal, which is remarkable. Is I, I just I think I don't know. The reason why I just keep on asking that question is because I don't think I've allowed myself just to sit in that aggressive normality there. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, I mean, my mind instantly wants to go apply it. But I think just sitting there
1: has some value. Well, I mean, there is a time for applying it to us. We, we tend to do that with any text, certainly biblical ones. But I think we read these texts with an eye of, okay, what's the application to me? Like, that's what we're looking for. And that's kind of all we see, you know. And sure, there's a place for that. But um, if that's all we're looking for, we've made this story into a... Uh, what's the right metaphor? I want to say like a textbook or or uh, an answer key, you know, like, oh, yeah, I, I think we've almost made the text into like, you know how your math textbooks in school would have the answers in the back, right? Uh, so that yeah. you could figure out if you did it right or not. Theoretically, yeah. I never did figure that out. But um, we've, we've kind of made the story into that because we're looking through it. And we say, okay, shepherds, and we look in the back and it says, oh, that means to me, that means whatever, you know, or or yeah. they're missionaries or, oh, whatever it is. And it's like, well, you know, if you remember from math, if you only look at the back of the book for the answers, it doesn't actually help you know how to do anything.
0: Right. Right. So. Um, well, and it gives us to the equivalent of that theologically is all it does is give us canned answers to the biblical story, the the nativity here
1: it's not that there's no place for us in this text but maybe i wonder about maybe it's instead of reading this with an eye towards what does this mean to me i sometimes like to try and imagine what would i feel in this situation if i were so try to put myself in the story in some way you know like if i were a shepherd and of course i don't know right but it's Asking those kind of questions and just wondering and kind of meditating on or that or, or kind of sitting with it of like, um, you know, how do I put how do how would I be a part of this story if I were? Because I think we all are. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. But that's the part that we miss when we, we try to take ourselves out of the story. And that's not what we're saying either. We're just saying, how do you really dwell in the story with the characters or the people, if you like, in the story? Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I, I think I did that on verse 16 because, you know, again, our, our typical way of reading this story is to focus on the angels and focus on maybe even the divinity of Christ. Certainly the reason why Jesus is a baby there. But can you imagine verse 16 just says they went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger doesn't say anything about what they did. It doesn't say anything. I mean, it was completely normal what they did. That's why the text says it that way. It's like, right. They they just, they, they sat there as you do when there's a baby around, right. And anyone who's (laughs) been around a baby knows, especially one that's
1: just been born.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's probably sleeping because it has just been born. And you know, what are are the people going to be talking? They're going to be asking all sorts of questions. They're going to be saying all sorts of different things about the normalcy of what happens and the pent-up hope of what that means, because they've gotten an inca- indication that this is the Messiah.
1: Well, and it, it may have been something, as as we said before, aggressively normal as, hey, these people are poor. A manger's not real warm at nighttime in the desert or wherever yeah. Bethlehem is, so why don't we give them our coat or this extra blanket or whatever it is we have, so the baby can stay warm right, you know
0: or the uh yeah, warmth is a really good thing because you know you would think that maybe since they're shepherds and they're in a manger, maybe they've got sheep around that would help warm up the kid or something too you know well and,
1: and maybe right and that's the I think that's a great way you can ask, okay, how would I fit in this story? It's like, well, what would it feel like to give Jesus your blanket because he's yeah. cold? right <laughs> right like yeah especially since they this is not just some random baby they know that this this baby is the messiah because the mm-hmm. angels told them that so it's like it'd feel good to give some cold baby a blanket just if i did it right now to someone today but imagine what that would be like I if know, right? this baby was the king of the universe they might not have known <laughs> that but at least that he was the king of israel
0: yeah you know, And these are people who don't have much, so to give a cloak would be quite
1: a bit. And, you know, you could spend a lot of time saying, well, it doesn't say that happened. It's like, okay, but that's not the point, right? Maybe yeah. it didn't. The point is, though, to really sit in the story yourself and think, right. you know, because let's say it didn't, quote, happen. Okay, but it's still something to think about the idea of giving that kind of sacrifice to Jesus as a baby.
0: Well, uh, I liked your phrase, the aggressively normal. So think about this, right? You got Mary who just gave birth to a child. In a barn. In a barn. The child is exhausted because children are exhausted after they're born. Of course, Mary's exhausted. Probably in pain. In pain, definitely in pain. Uh, And Joseph is tending to both of them. And you were, this is like the introvert's worst nightmare, right? <laughs> you you as a shepherd are going to be with them. And this aggressively normal thing is happening. And you're invited to be a part
1: of that. And even in its aggressive normality, it's so totally abnormal. Right. right? Like yeah. it, it really is this tension of both. and. You know, I, I wonder too, about like, so we know a few things about Joseph, like in the one account where it says he thought about divorcing her, uh-huh, you know? Yeah. But I always wonder, and then I think what Gabriel or yeah Gabriel appeared to him Gabriel. and said, Hey, not a great idea. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, but I wonder what, what was it like for Joseph at this moment? Right. So yeah. I think he understood, but can you really understand this, you know, right? and maybe Gosh, maybe some of the shepherds talked to Joseph and he's like, guys, I tell you, I was minding my own business, going to marry this girl, (laughs) then going to divorce her because she was pregnant. And then an angel showed up. And now I'm looking at this and it's like, what is going on? You know, like like a father might talk to somebody about after their wife has given birth or so I would imagine.
0: And of all the people who he could tell that <laughs> he saw an angel, you know, it would work really right, well exactly. for Shepherds. Right. Like, oh, you know, it's not so crazy. We just saw some angels. But yeah, <laughs>
1: and and maybe, maybe it was him saying, gosh, how do I be a father to the Messiah? Yeah. You know, yeah. like that would be a very normal question for someone in that position to ask, right? Or to worry about even if he didn't talk to the Shepherds about it.
0: A very and, normal question every father asks, but as you said, a very unnormal, or what was the, the opposite word you used? A very
1: abnormal yeah.
0: abnormal question at the same time, because it's and, the Messiah. And they knew at the time, somewhat, or at least closely, that it would be God's son because of the revelations given to them.
1: Yeah. But even, and well, I was going to say, would they even know that? But I mean, there was probably a fair amount of idea of um you know like sons of gods and things from yeah. just the ancient near eastern mindset but but yeah i don't know it's just amazing to me how even from his birth as a human being jesus was standing things on their head even when yeah. he was not doing anything particularly abnormal, he was being really crazy and making things not how they're supposed to be. <laughs> like Jesus is just this wonderful ball of paradox all the time. Um, <laughs> well, in isn't, a good it,
0: way. isn't it abnormal that he's being aggressively normal here? I think that's like the wonder of this story because, at least the way we're unpacking it today, is you would expect God to do things in a very Over-the-top, on-the-nose type way. Could have been born
1: in a palace.
0: Exactly. But no, he's born to a teenage couple who don't know what in the hell they're doing at all.
1: He didn't have to be a baby, right? I mean, Jesus could have showed up with a jetpack and a sword or something. Like, I mean, (laughs) this could have been done any way that God wanted to do it. And yet God chose (laughs) for Jesus to come up as a helpless baby in a manger in the cold.
0: So I think then for me like to kind of close out the the slowing down the question I would have to ask is then what does that mean? Instead mm-hmm. of asking what does Christmas mean? You know, we went into the Christmas story, we came out and we could have gone in and come out in different ways.
1: And we probably but, would on a different reading. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. You ask That's, us to do this tomorrow; it would be different. Totally, it's one different.
1: of the amazing things about how I think these narratives work. But,
0: but we've come out on this and s- seeing these kind of themes of aggressive normality that speaks to the abnormality of how God works. We're we're talking about the everyday life of people, and not just people, but people who um, are classified. In the way that we classify people as bottom of the power structure, those who struggle to survive, and Jesus mm-hmm. is born into that world. And I think the better question, instead of asking, you know, big picture things, what does all that mean when we come together and we worship on Christmas?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and then, you know, the imagination can go hog wild. There's yeah. lots of stuff that means. <clears throat>
1: And you can get to the other things. That's fine. Not saying you never can. It's just, you know, if God is dwelling among us, that's that's somewhere we should stop for a bit, shouldn't we? I I think so. Think about what we're saying there. The all-powerful, all-knowing, you know, if you're not an open theist, creator of the universe is now become flesh, a human being, and is with us. Right knows what it's like to be us. all that stuff like that happened. I don't, I think that should get more attention than just, okay. But he came to die for us or okay. But, um, yes. you know, whatever else it is kind of thing.
0: I love those little pokes. You try to get me off to, on the tangent, <laughs> the...
1: <laughs> uh, well, maybe nobody we'll else talk about that. that someday I
0: caught it, but nobody else, did. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Like, so the way that I would rest in that question, I wouldn't really answer the question. The way I would rest in that question is I would probably pick one of those. And the Mm -hmm. one that kind of sticks out to me right now is what does it mean for Jesus to be aggressively normal? Mm -hmm. And I think, like, to just poke at an answer, you know, peek at what maybe an answer might be is to recognize the normal, everyday things that are happening that are full of Christ, full Mm -hmm. of the incarnated um, Savior. That maybe there's something to the silliness of, I've got two little kids, right? And so um, because of COVID, as just a small example, because of COVID, they're thrilled that we're not going to be having church on Christmas because
1: <laughs> well I'm with them but you know
0: <laughs> Christmas is the day where we open our gifts we don't do it on Christmas Eve and so like
1: like heathens like me.
0: Yeah like you <laughs> <laughs> Jesus isn't born yet sir yeah you need
1: to wait <laughs> sorry the wise men don't show up yet
0: but do you know why my oldest is excited it's not because of the gifts it's because she said so that means I get to wear my pajamas on Christmas <laughs> right You know, how aggressively and honestly, somewhat obnoxiously in a beautiful way, normal is that? It's like a little girl just wants to, on a day off from school, stay in her pajamas because it's so comfortable and that means so much to her. And why can't we say that that's an incarnation moment? It's got well, nothing to do with justification and baby Jesus dying. But
1: I think I think we don't like it when these things are normal, are basic. And when I say basic, I mean closer to us. I don't mean like dumb or anything, right? I yeah. just, I think we are much more comfortable with saying, well, we can't understand God. And it's like, sure, you can't. And I'm not claiming to understand the incarnation, but I can understand that feeling you're talking about. Yeah, you know,
0: I just—that's how I would probe the question.
1: Yeah, Sorry, I would I never want to try to take the mystery out of God or exactly. any of this. Stuff. Yeah, but sometimes we say, "Well, it's a mystery," and it's like, "Well, okay," but you missed—you know—the part that's not. <laughs> but
0: isn't isn't it mysterious to consider that maybe Jesus is speaking in a little girl who wants to wear pajamas?
1: Well, that's that's what it is. It's like it can be a mystery. While also being relevant or that's not the right word, we're also being where normal. we are, yeah, it can be both. Yeah. Remember Jesus is that crazy ball of paradoxes, yeah, it's normal and cosmic at the same time,
0: and what's kind of weird about this is that it it's answering the question of what the incarnation is we We didn't set out to do that.
1: I but don't know that we could,
0: yeah. <laughs> But it kind of gets at it. It's not answering that question. As you said, we can't do that. And we didn't intend to do that. But it's getting at the question somewhat because of the weird paradox nature, uh, paradoxical nature of the incarnation. And that's really, I think, for me, where we need to move. Where I'm already moving on this frontier is to a place of understanding the craziness of this story, understanding the weird everyday struggles that all these characters or people are dealing with, and what that really, really means in this story. And letting Christmas be Christmas, because (laughs) um, we have plenty of other days in the Lutheran Church, especially, to talk about Jesus dying on the cross. We have no like shortage of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And so, for the rest of us, too. Whatever, the, yeah. whatever your subject that you focus on is, it's not going anywhere. Exactly.
0: Does that... Um, I know you're kind of on the same page with me, but as you're thinking about this, does that kind of capture what we started with of how do we move away from or move more into Christmas? Or is that too headsy?
1: I don't think it's too—I think think that's a great example of not just letting the text speak to us and change us, although I think it is that, but I think it's this idea um, of—it's not even just slowing down, it's just kind of— you know, the one of the points of the incarnation is that God now lives as us, among us, with us, however you want to say that. And I think it's just, in a way, I think I could say this, it's us being incarnational with the text. Does that make sense? Is that heresy? Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like that's what we're saying is like, you know, dwell in the story that God has given us so that we can dwell with God in ways we haven't before. You know, I think that's a very complicated thing to do, but what we're talking about here is not hard to understand, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to say it's easy to do, especially since we've all been trained to run right towards the theological answer of, you know, rapture or justification or missionaries or whatever the hell it is. Um, Right. Whatever the heaven it is. But, uh, (laughs) given our context. But yeah, I think that's what I, what I'm, I think that's what it feels like we're doing here. And I think that's what I hope we can all do certainly at Christmas, but all the time, you know, is it's not just about slowing down. It's about listening. You know, you can slow down and plug your ears and you won't get anything out of it. But if we slow down and pay attention I think that's all Nate and I are hoping that people will do because like we said if you and your you know you and somebody else did the same thing we did and you're not going to say the come to the same conclusions we did here today and that's great that's how it should work that's how we want it to work yeah um and when I say we I mean all of us that's that's the miracle of it so yeah
0: yeah something Martin Luther said that you know takes some time to think about but he said the scriptures, the Bible, is the manger in which baby Jesus is held, hmm. and I I want to connect that to something you said, because I think it's so beautiful, is that when we dwell with Jesus in the Word of God, He dwells He He dwells with us. He is Emmanuel. Hmm. So we find ourselves on Christmas Day, what we just did, no matter when you listen to this, we did an incarnational thing as we talked about incarnation. We did a very Christmas thing as we were talking about Christmas. As We entered into a text. We dwelled with that text. We we inhabited that text. And at the same time, that's how Jesus uh, spends his time with us. That's how he is, Emmanuel. Um, Not the only reason. That's a very Lutheran, of course, interpretation, but It's one of the ways in which he inhabits his life with us is through the word. And if we jump, and and the reason why I say that is because if we jump too quickly to the answer, we miss that, right? We miss that experience, to use your word, we miss that joy of spending some time with Jesus in the text. Because all the text is is that proof thing that we turn toward the end of the book and say, okay, Mm. that's what this means. It means justification because X, Y, Z. Because we don't
1: have a job if it doesn't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But instead, Uh. what we did is we spent some time, and I don't know, I felt the spirit working as we were talking. I felt him with us as we did that. And I think there's something really beautifully incarnate there, a wonderful uh spiritually motivated moment.
1: Yeah. I I think just the last thing I would want to say is that I don't know if we have any, I think we might have people who listen to this podcast who are at least sort of in this camp or whatever you want to describe it. You know, if if you're someone who thinks that the Bible is made up stories, you know, nonsense, fairy tales, however you want to say it. Okay. But can you take it? Even if you think of them that way, is there a place where you can do the kind of thing we're doing in the sense of what is the story trying to tell you? Even if like, I guess maybe we'd all benefit from setting aside the questions of, but did it really historically happen that way? At least for a time, you know, because I don't, you don't, if you don't believe that the Bible is anything other than a book, okay. I mean, that's, that's up to you, right? But I wonder... What might you get out of this story, just as the story itself? Maybe yeah. just something to think about. Give it a try. Let us know if you, if you, uh, if any of you listening to this are in that world. Um, and that's not as a way to convince you the Bible is anything than other than what you think it is. It's just trying to encourage all of us to really kind of live with the Christmas story where we're at.
0: In many ways that's where we kind of have common ground. Um, people, no matter how you view the Bible, we all have been taught that it means X or Y or Z and maybe what we can do for different reasons, as you know, somebody who doesn't see this as God's word, that's fine. Um, but maybe this story can do something just because it's a story for you that, um, you know, needs the shedding of that terrible uh, prepackaged right. canned uh, ways of viewing
1: things. Maybe, you know, and maybe those of us who are from the more, you know, fundamentalist conservative type world and who have some kind of view of the Bible that's closer to what we were talking about, I wonder what we could learn from the person who explores the story in that other way. Uh probably yeah. nothing. They're on the way to hell anyway. Um <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course, that's the whole point is like, I think if we're on this frontier, we're talking about, we're telling people to explore. Well, then we should let everybody do that. And maybe we should go some places we haven't gone before. Yeah. You can always go back or go forward or stay where you are or whatever. But I think what we've always tried to say is there's freedom, there's space, there's safety in doing those kinds of things. And it's okay. Like sometimes I say this a lot in this podcast, but it's like I promised you're going to be okay. Cause God's got it right. Like that's such a, it's such a silly thing to say in some ways, you know, it took me three de- three theology degrees to say God's got it. <laughs> but at the same time, like it's okay. Right. Like you're going to be yeah. okay. And God really does have it. Well, thanks for listening today, everybody. Um, like Nate said, this will be our last conversation we have in 2020. And, oh, boy, that's it's been a year, hasn't it? Yeah. So, it's been something. So we appreciate you going with us, whether this is your first episode or you listen to all of them, I whatever. Thanks for going with us as we've done this. And we do plan to come back next year, and we'll see where that goes. But thanks for spending your time with us, however much time that is. And I hope that uh, it's been helpful to you. And we still love to hear from you. Um, we have an email address, FrontierFaithPodcast at gmail dot com. You know, feel free to ask us questions. Um, maybe share with us some stories of what happened when you slowed down in a text like we did today or why we're full of shit, whatever it is, you know, like we'll be glad to hear it from you. Um, maybe not that last one. but anyway, uh, we already we, know
0: we're full of shit. It's fine. yeah,
1: I mean, Nate is, but you know, <laughs> I, okay, I am too. I mean, if anybody is gosh anyway uh we appreciate you and like i said earlier i promise it's okay even in 2020 it'll be okay